In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. Last night I had a dream that Putin took over the world. I also dreamed that Cleveland Browns lost. That did actually happen. I can't believe it. Anyway, I'm here with Jack. And Ian, right, right, right. Jack, PFF grades are out. Are you excited? It's, it's, it's a bizarre one that we're talking about six extra points and we're five and oh. That, that is just, that, it's almost the worst way possible. I think I'd rather be sat here and going, we're blown out by 30 points and fair enough, it's, it's not the case. And, um, and as well, if, if we were losing because of the quarterback, I think it would feel a lot better as well because you're going, regardless of your feel, feelings about uh, Watson, Watson is naturally an upgrade on Brissett, but we're getting really good overall quarterback play. We're in really tight games and it's, it's our defence, um, which was good uh, the second half of last year that has cost us these few extra points, we're now sitting on losses. And people say, oh, we only played bad teams the end of last year. We've only played four bad teams to begin this year. So that excuse just doesn't stack up for me. Ian, how are you feeling, buddy? Well, I'm ready to rip new ones. I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's just cut right to it. I don't even need to summarize it. We all watched it. I joked with Owen and said, the wheels on this fan bus are falling off, baby. It is. They're starting to go. We've got flat tires. All of my predictions about being a fan of the Cleveland Browns this year being hard. As Jack said, it's not the quarterback. It's not the quarterback. We all thought it was going to be ones where defense was going to have to keep us in a game and the offense was going to have to make a have to make a uh, a play to win a game. Nope. End of week five. I just quiz Jack. PFF ranked offense before the Monday night game. Cleveland Browns, number one. Number one ranked offense, 25th ranked defense. Let's go. Where do we want to start? Do we want to start with the O, with the D, with the coaching, the specials? Let's start with, let's start with the, um, let's be crazy. Where do we want to let's go? Start, let's start special teams first. Oh, yeah. Hold on. That's page three of the notes. So uh, overall, do we want to start with, well, you know what? Let's have an easy. I always say you want to start off on the right foot. Corey Boraquez. Bang on job, buddy. You are right now so far down the list. He's like the 52nd, if we're ranking players in terms of their problems, one being the most problematic, 53 is Charlie Hewlett, 52 is Boraquez. This guy is all reliable. We could talk about it, but at this point, Boraquez, 17 punts on the year, averaging 47.6 gross, 41.9 net, not to be beaten by the Scottish hammer, by the way, who's fourth in the NFL with a 51 gross, uh, 42, I believe net nine inside the 20, two touchbacks, Corey, you're probably keeping Mike cheap, bright prefers job for right now. The, the one thing, and Hey, you're probably better, um, set to speak on this because Hey, he's been great punting. The, the concern wasn't his punting this cost him his last two gigs. The, the vibe, um, has been his holding, which I don't think has been an issue because none of the Cade York misses we've heard, oh, there was a holding issue, um, which you would expect to hear if that was the issue. Um, so are we expecting the holding has been fine? Based on York, which we can get into him a little bit, I haven't noticed anything with a hold being an issue. York has something going on, which I'll explain a little bit, uh, that's not hold related. I've heard the uh, some of the issues he had in Green Bay were also hang time related. So if he's got 17 punts, over 50% of them are inside the inside the 20, only two touchbacks. That means that only six punts have been basically end to end, as we call them. Um, his his 
average to gross to net is only a five and five and a bit difference. That's pretty good. That means he's only an only average in five, for example, like Jamie Gillen is 51 gross 42. So there's a nine yard. This is the analytics. I think we were talking about Jack. They want height to a spot with minimal net. And I think that's what he's doing, but no, I haven't noticed anything on the, on the punting side. So the return game, I think Chester Rogers brings a little bit. I don't, I don't, I think he's at least shown the ability that he can make somebody miss. So, I mean, if we really want to just go right into Cade York, we can talk about it. I mean, it's, it's not, not a hard conversation. I'll just start on Cade York because, hey, we know I'm not a fan of drafting kickers. And, and I'm, I'm waiting for the Cleveland Brown account after that game to tweet out the apology because if you're going to tweet out and give it the big one that this is why you draft kickers, where is their tweet saying, mm, sorry about that one or the apology or is it all just overblown nonsense? Um, but I, I, I warned about Cade York before he even took the field and hey I was I was impressed in that debut not gonna lie that you are gonna get growing pains at kicker and hey Zane Gonzalez perfect example he's gone on to be good yeah is he elite no he's not elite but he's good good. and the issue you get is these players just get battered because one or two mistakes and oh it's a disaster and yeah for me a kicker should hit everything within the 40 and then anything you go over 40, you get into that gray area. But yeah, it's disappointing that you expect more out of him. But at the same time, drafting a kicker isn't a smart and reliable move. If it was, and you go, hey, you, you take a kicker in the fourth round, you're expecting a top five kicker. Then I'm like, hey, I, I'm, I can sort of get behind it. But it's just a crapshoot. And it's an overinvestment for a crapshoot. Here's why I'll disagree. It's not an overinvestment because they actually, when it comes to your day three picks, few of them have a percentage chances of even making the roster at times. Right? So for example, Jack, if I were to give you Cade York or Mac Wilson, right? You look at it and say, well, Mac Wilson was good in a role here, but at the end of the day, he's not a long-term starter. He has one specific role in specials and he'll be in and out of the league in three or four years. Here's why I think the Cade York thing is a little bit overblown. They drafted him because of his ability with his leg strength to do what Justin Tucker did last night. And that is pimp walk, by the way, greatest moment as a kicker to turn to the stands. You haven't seen it. Have you Jack? I've not seen it, but I know if you had a half a yard um, and that's the winner, that's the winner. Here's the best 58 yarder. He bangs it. And he just turns to the crowd like gladiator. Like, did you expect something otherwise? Go look. It's a pose. He just turns and goes, I got this, baby. I got this. And he was even saying in the postgame, he was so good. They interviewed him postgame. They said, screw you, Lamar. You suck. Burrow, get out of here, you loser. Give me the kicker. And he goes, well, honestly, with the snap and the hold, he goes, how about the holder? That's his first hold for a game-winning kick. He shouts out the holder for a game-winning hold. And then he bangs and he goes, the ball just kind of kicks itself. That's what he said. He goes, with a good snap and a good hold, the ball just kind of kicks itself. But here's why I wouldn't give up on Cade York. If I were to tell you that with the fourth or fifth round pick, well, it just doesn't matter. You could get the number one kicker in the league. And it's not Justin Tucker, by the way. So for the record, Justin Tucker has missed an extra point this year, but that's beside the point. Would I, if I told you the number one kicker in the league could be Tad in the fourth NFL, not college, would you do it? Yeah, 100%. Okay, Daniel Carlson. He was a fifth-round pick by the Vikings. He came out of camp. He struggled. In his second game, there was a game against Green Bay a couple years ago. You remember remember it. And in 29-29, he went 0 for 3 in field goals. He missed one from the 30 range, two from the 40s range. They cut him. They said, we can't have this. He finished the season perfect. He went on to be the number one kicker in the league for Oakland, or in this case, Vegas. With kickers, you just have to be a little patient. We talked about the struggles early on. We knew it was coming. Here's what York is doing for all the golfers out there. York is trying to place the ball in the fairway. If you throw darts, it's the same thing. It's so much like with Tucker, it's just a mechanical thing that doesn't go through their brain. The reason it's tailing right, and we're going to get into the play calling, by the way, because if he was five yards closer, that was good for the record. He only missed it by about maybe It's hard to exactly tell from the angle. I would say three and a half to four yards is when it tailed outside of that bar. So if that was a 50 yarder, it would have been good for the record, but he's trying to place the ball down the middle instead of just kicking it. So in golf, when you try to place the driver, you end up leaving your shoulders open 
and it pushes to the right. Sometimes when you try to hit it too hard, it duck hooks to the left. So what York is doing, and for the record, York was perfect going into yesterday for field goals. He was eight of eight. He went over two, missing it from 45 and 54. He's currently 13 of 15 on extra points, which is 86%. Okay. There's only eight kickers in the league that haven't missed an extra point yet, just for the record. However, he is one of two that has missed two. So everybody else in the league, other than him and Cairo Santos, have missed one or less. As I said in my point before I went to you, I was pre- I'm preaching patience, but my my point still stands. I would rather have had, I, I think Isaiah likely, if I go back to thinking in my head who I was banging the table for at that draft pick, I've got a feeling he was probably the player. Um, I would rather have Isaiah likely on my roster than a, a kicker. And, and that that's just never going to change for me as a roster building standpoint. But I, after the draft, it was made not happy about it, but it is a point of preaching patience because there is going to be games where it's not lost because the kicker, because if it comes down to a kick, then that's on the O or the defense. Um, but there's going to be times where uh, it's not converted and then you're going to want to put the blame there. It, I get what they're doing. They're trying to get it. And I know you guys didn't watch last night, but last night Bengals go down, score a touchdown, go up. They knew that the minute that ball crossed midfield, the game was over. They knew that the, I mean, you watch the play calling. They went so conservative. They were on quarterback draws from the 40. So you're talking a 57 yard field goal and they're just running QB draw, QB draw. I think they got it up to like the 36, 35 yard line. He trots out there from 53 and just wasn't what I mean, Jack, it's such a weapon to know this game is over. There was no hesitation. Harbaugh rushed him in. He trotted out there just the brass balls of a, you know, of a Greek God and put that thing, as you mentioned, within one half yard of the center of the field goal post. And that's what they're hoping because York does have the leg. He, I mean, Jack, this guy gives you a legitimate shot to make that field goal in saying that he needs to make 100% of his field goals from inside of 50 yards inside of 50 needs to be 100%. And I will give you two to 3%. I want 97% or higher on 50 to 55. And then I'll give you 90% from 55 and beyond. Cause I know the trajectory is a little hard there and you're kicking in Cleveland, but there's no excuse for missing an inside of 50 yard field goal with his leg. He's thinking it too much. He needs to get out of his own head and stop trying to place the ball down the middle. Let your mechanics do it. The snap's going to come back. The ball's going to go down and just nicely go through it. You don't have to power it. He's trying to just poke it down the middle and it's tailing off. All right. I think this is a good segue into our next thing. I'm taking over here a little bit. We just need to grade it. Oh, uh, if we're still on- you miss a field goal to win it. Uh, five. I'll tell you that. It, it, the punting was good. The return was fine. Two missed field goals. One of them could have won the game five. That is, it's irrelevant. Yes, they could have won the game with it, but I'm still going with five. Yeah, five's good. Here's just where I want to. Just talking about special teams. I met with the Scottish Hammer last night. How is he? Fourth in the league in punting. He is very good. Uh, he has said he feels very relaxed now playing at the Giants, and it shows in his game. He needs to get me a signed one of them classic throwback jerseys. That thing was beautiful. Mm. All right, Paul, I'm going to start with you on this one because we're going to talk about that kick, but we're going to segue into this. With a minute and 10 seconds left, Brandon Staley makes, I don't know if you want to call it the dumbest, was a minute 14, but the dumbest, the smartest, or the luckiest, I don't know which one play call to go for it on fourth down. Martin Emerson makes great play, knocks it away. The Browns take over at the Chargers 45-yard line with one minute and 10 seconds left, meaning that if the Browns don't gain a single yard, it's a 62-yarder, okay? The play calling from Kevin Stefanski over the next one minute and however many seconds is awful. I don't have an issue with his play calling and a lot of other things. I got a lot of breakdowns here. I got notes, baby. He threw the first pass to Schwartz. Schwartz, who hasn't touched the ball since Nam. Why is he in the game? You're at 62 yards. So you're within field goal range and you throw it to Butterhands. What? 
Njoku had been eating those linebackers up. There wasn't a guy in the field that could stay with Amari Cooper. It proved it on second down when they threw it to Cooper for 10 yards. So now they ran the third play with 47 seconds left. You're now at the 35-yard line, meaning it's a 52-yarder. You've got 47 seconds. You're at the 35-yard line. What the hell are we doing throwing deep balls to Donovan Peoples-Jones in the corner? What is this? And then, and I'll tell you right now, we'll talk about Brissett a little bit. He does not have the arm strength to throw across his body. Any throw to his left, he leaves out wide because he doesn't want to get it housed. He leaves it inside. He doesn't have the arm strength. So he misses throws continually outside. On that third down play, he missed Donovan Peoples-Jones. He was open on third and 10. He missed him. The play calling to run a, a power of Kareem Hunt into a line for zero yards, that should be Nick Chubb. I'm sorry. I like Kareem Hunt a lot. Nick Chubb should be in the game for that. I don't care how tired he is. It's the final drive. It's the final countdown. There's 47 seconds left. I need to get positive yardage. I need to get that ball inside of 50 yards. They run for zero, two incomplete passes, and you stick your kicker with a 54-yarder. Awful. And the reason they did it was because Brissett has shown he, he throws picks when it matters. And they were nervous after that interception to have him force the ball down the middle. That's why they threw it wide to Schwartz. That's why they threw it wide deep to Donovan Peoples-Jones. And he threw it wide on third down. They were terrified to run run their offense. They got out of what they did. They were nervous about Brissett. And they knew he has the leg for 54, but you cannot rely on a kicker from 54 yards. Because if they'd have gotten five yards, that kick is good. So... Overall, the play calling by Stefanski has been really, really good this season. And go back. The issue you get to is this: is the um, I had the word and then it's gone. Like pressure, crunch time. Situational play calling that is really, really lacking. Because if they needed to drive the field, I get why you have Kareem Hunt out there rather than Nick Chubb, just because he offers something different in the receiving game. And if you need to go that whole distance. I, I can get that argument. As you said, they only need to go a little bit and then they're in a really good spot. And they, they, they weren't really the goal to go and score a touchdown. That wasn't what they set up to do. They just set up to move it forward, ideally get something around a 40-yard field goal. And situationally, there has been so many mistakes. We've seen it in the red zone. We, we saw it on that um, Kareem Hunt where they were trying to run him to the outside. It was, why? Um, earlier in the game on a fourth down, which there was just, so many mistakes like that throughout. And I hate, we'll, 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 we'll talk about that play call because that was more on Hunt. But besides, the, we'll keep going because you're on, you're on course here. So uh, it's the situational. If, if we're sat there on, we take a knee in the end zone, which would be lovely. And then we, we're on the 25. I have really good faith and confidence that we can drive the ball and we can score or at least put points up. It's when it comes to those moments of, oh, we're in the red zone, we need to do this. Or, hey, are we going to get the right call on third and fourth down? It's the little bits, which is disappointing, but then there is a lot of positive stuff that is going exactly how we want, the ability to drive the field. We expected to go into this season with question marks on offense. I'm now there going, there's no realistic reason why Jacoby Brissett isn't 5-0. and and we're talking about he, he, there is nothing that offense has done that doesn't deserve to be five and zero. Yeah, if you come up against the Bills and the Chiefs, they're different, but they are legitimately should be there. And I just want to touch on Staley because you brought it up. I thought it was a smart call by him to go for that because. What about the play call? Yards. It was fourth the and play two. Play call is the issue, yeah. and that's where we get to. There, there is this sort of idea that. To go for it is analytics. To call a bad play, well, that's also analytics. It's like, hey, just because I want to go for it, don't mean I'm doing that. Um, and it, in the same way, it's like, hey, if, if you want to kick a field goal and then suddenly your field goal kicker goes out there with two left boots on, well, that's not a decision to kick a field goal. That's on your field goal kicker can't put his boots on properly. Oh, I have no doubt that when Staley put into the analytics machine, he looked and said, they got a rookie kicker and Jacoby Brissett, I'll take my chances because they knew if say it's a 65% conversion, it was, I think fourth and one and a half or so the play call to me was shit, but regardless, I think they looked at it and said, we'll take our chances. But Jack, speaking to your point about the offense in losses this year, 
The offense has averaged 26 points a game. In wins, the offense has averaged 27.5. Now, on defense, in wins, we've averaged giving up 20.5. And in losses, we've averaged giving up 28. For the 25th ranked defense. A defense full of money, by the way, for the record. Did you? We talked about the play calling, Jack. Stefanski had them on their heels the entire day. I did the breakdown. There was 34 plays run on on first down. What do you think the breakdown was of run on first down versus pass on first down? Probably something like 75, 80% will be run on first down. That's usually where it is. 19 runs on first down, 15 passes on first down. In the first half, 10 run, nine pass. In the second half, nine run, six pass. The first TD drive, all runs on first down. Second TV drive, two passes, one on the first play, one on the touchdown. Pass, run, 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 pass, touchdown. Third TD drive, three passes, one run, and the run was the touchdown from the one-yard line. And on the fourth TD drive, four runs and two passes on first down. So they were mixing it up in the usage of the plays to get scoring drives. So at the end of the day, if you look at it in the second half alone, they only start, they had six pass plays on first down in the second half. Whereas in the first half, they obviously had nine. So it's like the chargers didn't not know what to expect. Now, in some of those cases, there was hunt here and Chubb there. There was sometimes where it would be Chubb for 10, Chubb for 16, Chubb for, they ran Chubb three straight times on consecutive plays for first downs because the chargers had no idea what to get into. We're going to talk about run fits. Oh, we're going to talk about run fits. But the Browns offense had them on their heels the entire game. And Stefanski was mixing it up. But his ass cheeks got tight on that last drive. And he screwed himself because he just didn't. He got outside of what they do. Uh, They said it in the broadcast. and I think it's a really good point. This game, if it happens next year, because it relies on the Browns and the Chargers finishing the same spot in the division, which I really hope it does, partly because... I'll be there for that game is it's going to be prime time because there is so many points in this game and it's consistent. um, And it's everything you want. You cannot, the frustrating thing is I wanted the mistake to be the offense coming into this season. Cause if we sat there after 11 games and we're going, the offense needs a kickstart. We've got a defense that can win and compete in a championship. We are, if we were five and six and that's where we are, then you're sat there going, there is real hope going into a playoff push. Whereas oh. Watson makes this offense better, but I don't know, even know if Watson's truly enough against the great teams. Obviously, yeah, he probably gets you those six extra points over the, the three games, but he's not, uh, I don't know if he can carry even this defense and go, yeah, we're going to beat the Bills and the Chiefs. Paul, what do you think of the managers in this one? What do you think? I thought, um, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough one because it was a super exciting game. The um, Both attacking teams, the Browns versus the Chargers. And as they said, this could be a, a primetime game in the future. You know, two offences. But yeah, the, the Browns' defence has got to be better. And uh, I feel Stefanski... He's just going against the grain and trying risky things, not to be predictable with just giving the ball to Chubb and Hunt all the time. He didn't make the blunder of running a double reverse throwback like the Bengals, uh, Zach Taylor did last night. I believe they had it second and goal from the two and ran a double reverse that Marcus Peters blew up for a loss of 12. So Zach Taylor continuing to suck, as we said last year. But I, I go back to Jack's point. Everyone was moaning about the Browns getting beaten 0-16. and We are now in a position where we are six points away of being 5-0. and Browns fans just wanted Cleveland Browns to compete. We are competing every single game against anyone we play. And I rate the Chargers quite high, especially with Herbert. No doubt about it. But Jack, I think your point is, if it was the offense that was struggling... Watson could be the savior, right? So I think Browns fans want an easy fix knowing, hey, 
the offense is going to get better when he comes back. Well, Watson can't do any better than the number one ranked offense. So what's going to happen when he comes back is we're still going to have the same glaring holes, even though we traded for a former Pro Bowl linebacker, which we'll talk about later. But at the end of the day, that's Jack, that's your point. That's why it's so hard to be a Browns fan because hope is a dangerous thing. I say it often. Browns fans had hope thinking the defense was going to be this get leads and hold them with pass rushing secondary play. The defense stinks. And the problem now is the offense isn't the problem. So what you're right. Maybe with Deshaun Watson, we beat the jets. Maybe we beat the Falcons, but you're right. Is he enough to transcend a defense that likely can get 40 burgered at any point? Yeah, just the, the, hey, getting to the playoffs is great. It's what, what you, you set up at the start of every season is, hey, get to the playoffs. Um, because you can't go into the season going, we're going to win a Super Bowl, because once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. And, and that's the goal to get there. But the issue is, you look at the playoffs and you go, hey, add Deshaun Watson to this mix. Hey, we, I, think we, I, I, I think I feel confident saying, hey, we'd be 5-0. and oh, But that 5-0, and oh, I don't think is enough where I'm saying, yeah, get Give me Patrick Mahomes. Give me Josh Allen. We've got them. No worries. We're, we're laughing. And even like the Ravens, etc. That's the frustration that you're there going, this is probably the most talented team that we might ever see for the Cleveland Browns, minus the quarterback. And it's not working. And it's not just, as you said, one, two things. If we're sat there going, well, we need, we need a extra this, you can fix it. It's the edge room, the D tackle room, the linebacker room, uh, the cornerback room and the safety room. There's not a single part. Of and coming into this season, it was like, hey, the linebacker room was pretty solid. And it started off actually really well, to be fair. When Walker was out there, you had JOK, that was the bit that worked. Everything else, question marks. But those two were good. And hey, Clowney and uh, Miles were healthy. And because the drives were really short, it was okay to only have two edges and then a pile of crap. And then it's, it's all hit the wall. Yeah. I mean, who would have had Jacoby Brissett thrown for more yards than Justin Herbert yesterday? Anybody? Bueller? It's. Nope. And by the way, Nick Chubb did what Nick Chubb does. So I kind of did this thing where I broke down offense and defense, right? And a special teams, I was easy. So I gave letter grades based on performances and kind of where we rank them as players. I, I, I know I weren't here last time. Let's spin no, off this letter. Nonsense. Here, here's here's the numbers what, back. Here's what I say. Uh, these are not PFFs. These are Ian's visual grades, right? So like Hewlett and uh, Bo- Bojo got A's. You're going to see on the offense. I've got five guys who've got an A. I've got four guys with a B, three with a C, one with a D on defense, three A's, one B, four C's, five D's, two F's. And you know what? My F's, Elliot and Togiai. My D's, Harrison, Phillips, Taki, John Johnson III, and Perion Winfrey. That's a problem because that's the entire middle of your defense. So do we want to do offense or defense before we get into this? I think we've done offense, um, to be fair. Um, yeah, what, what, what's got, what number are we going to give? Keyword, what number are we going to give the offense? Don't you do that to me, Paul. I, I want to give them an eight. I, I, I just think that they've been solid. Yes, they haven't been exceptional uh, in sort of those odd moments. And that's partly on Stefanski, I think, more than the players. Um, just because a couple of those play calls are just frustrating to take it up. Um, and hey, if it's one that they go down and score a TD to end the game, then I'm sat there going, probably give them a nine, if not a ten. So... Um, I think an eight's fair, and I, I'm continue to be really, really impressed. Um, Jed Wills had two good games, um, which is important for him um, because that was getting scary. Paul, do you want to give yours? Or you want me to go? Yeah, um, you got to remember I was watching it in a pub on my phone again. So uh, um, yeah, I'd go over an eight as well. It's. The offense, I think, for what they had yesterday, I I could have been convinced a nine because I think from what they played, if I if I take the missed field goals and put them on the specials where they belong, offensively, you had I think two series that were like three and outs or you know, 
the biggest mistake on offense that I think maybe is an eight is going to be that interception by Brissett. But just FYI, in terms of this Browns offense, right? Nick Chubb is the number one leader in the NFL in rushing yards. Kareem Hunt is 28th. Chubb has 543 yards. Hunt, 247. Amari Cooper, playing like a top 25 wide receiver. 27 catches, 304 yards, three touchdowns. David Njoku, which we've been hard on him. 24 out of 29 targets are caught. 289 yards, 12 yards per reception, four plays over 20 yards, and a touchdown. That is top five borderline six tight end play in the NFL from David Njoku. Just for all those people out there, right? Jacoby Brissett. I think we saw yesterday what Brissett is, right? He is a 15 to 20th ranked quarterback. He's good, not great, but he's led this Browns offense to the fifth most points scored in the NFL, the number one rated. He's fine. He's good. He's not great. That decision in the end zone to throw that ball to Amari Cooper, though, is his limiting factor. He does not have the arm strength. He had a clear run in there. All he has to do is run up to the top, and he goes just outside that last player that I forget who it is, is shut off quite nicely, and he runs that. He, oh. Yeah, he might not quite make the end zone because there's a defender coming up, but he gets the first down. Jack, let's say worst-case scenario, he slides at five yards. You still preserve the field goal. Like, that is such a high-risk, low-reward throw. I mean, okay, maybe you squeeze it through if you're Mahomes. Throwing it was moronic, but this is what Brissett is. He's 18th in terms of passing. He's averaging 212 yards a game. He's 64% completion, which is 18th in the league. ESPN's weird QBR, he's sixth, but in quarterback rating, he's 19th. That's about what he is, right? He's going to be borderline in that 18, 19, 20th range. The only person on offense that I really have an, uh, an issue with right now is Harrison Bryant. I thought he was supposed to have a stand up this year. I ain't seen him. He's the only, he's the only player who gets a D on my grading skill. But yeah, offensively, I think an eight is good. If they, if Brissett would have done something, get a first down, kick that field goal and eliminated that red zone turnover, I think it would have been a nine. I told you I'm fired up, boys. I think it's probably a 10. Just run it or throw it out of the back of the end zone. Just preserve the field goal. That's the thing is like you need to keep the points. You're right there in the 10-yard line. Run it, slide, get the first down, whatever. 99 different things you can do. The one you can't is the turnover, and he did it. It's like when you're at that 30-yard line and the quarterback dumbly takes a sack, and you're like, the one thing you couldn't do is take that sack, and he takes it. So, Paul, we good to go overall and an eight on the offense? Yeah, let's go eight offense, five special teams, defense. Paul, just on your phone, was it as bad as it was on a 55 or 65-inch TV? Um, it wasn't that bad, to be honest. I'm shocked. I'm going to have to hear this. Jack and I. <laughs> go. That's why we love you. Um, you know, the big plays that I saw, like Emerson and stuff, um, it looked like that some of the clips I saw looked like Ward was having a good day, but am I totally wrong? He had a couple decent plays. Denzel Ward's biggest issue wasn't his pass coverage. It was his support in the run. But the reason his PFF grade is so low is because of his run, not really his coverage. He was fine against Mike Williams. At one time, he got just jumped. I mean, there's not much you can do if a six-foot-four guy out jumps you. But Ward was not bad. The secondary overall was it wasn't that bad. Uh, so what number are you going to go with, Ian? Oh, I got a lot before we're giving numbers out. Because at this point, I may be giving negatives. Am I allowed to give a negative? No, never negative. Then zero. Come zero. on, mate. No, Paul, come on. Paul, Paul, let me. Ex- All right. So I did just to help people out, because we have a lot of people out there that listen across the country. When we talk about well, run one. World, yeah, absolutely. International, okay? There are three things you need to do as a defense. You need to control the line of scrimmage. You need to stop the offense from establishing what they want to do, whether it's run, whether it's pass. So your job is to control the line of scrimmage, stop the offense, and third, adjust to what they're doing. So if they come at you and they start running, you're to adjust to stop, take that away, get them off their spot, the classic Bill Belichick. This defense is putrid, okay? 
let me explain what a run fit is. Okay. For all those people out there. Okay. There are three gaps in an NFL game. You have the center. So on his left ass cheek is an a gap and on his right ass cheek is an a gap. So the two a gaps are on the inside of the guard in the center on each side. Let's go out one more guard to center. That's the B gap go outside of the tackles. We're now at the C gap. Okay. We had 10 missed tackles. We line up with defensive tackles getting shoved into the linebackers by a bunch of below average linemen. The run fits. So the idea of a run fit is your defensive lineman or your linebacker needs to fit in a gap. So obviously a running back cannot run through an offensive lineman. He runs beside an offensive lineman or behind them. So your job as a fat guy is to stand in the gap next to the other fat guy. It's that simple because then what happens is you create a wall and then the guy has to run to the outside. Well, the Browns defensive tackles decide that they're going to dry hump the offensive lineman and get butt plunged all the way back into the linebackers. So now a guy like JOK can't do anything because he's got two fat guys coming at him and the holes are two bodies wide because offensive linemen are taught to grab you and open up a hole. JOK and, J- and Jacob Phillips had no clue what to do. So the Browns use an orientation called single gap. So single gap over basically means you take your defensive lineman and you put them over the gap that they're responsible for. So the Browns yesterday lined up with five snaps where a defensive tackle was in the A gap, meaning that they generally, for most of their snaps, whether it be Togiai, Elliott, Bryant, or Winfrey, line their D tackles up over the B gap, meaning this between the guard and the uh, between the guard and the tackle, meaning the middle, the A gap, is responsible for the linebackers. So the linebackers fill the A gap, D tackles ten, fill the B gap, and Clowney and Miles on the edge fill the C gap. That is the basics of the run. That is the most common run defense in the entire NFL. We won't get into two gap schemes because the Browns don't run it, right? The number of times that these guys were shoved out of that running lane was incredible. Austin Eckler, who, Jack, coming into the league, was he 30, 31st in rush? One of the bottom ones, right? Uh, uh, the, yeah, the Chargers rush offense had been putrid. I think they'd average 75 yards uh, a game. And Eckler had 75 on one run, right? Yeah, I think he had an average of 75 yards per rush. To show you how bad it was, okay, I did a breakdown of the number of carries and yards per gap, right? So in the C gap, which is the left side, so we're talking this is miles aside, Eckler, two carries, 23 yards. Josh Kelly, one carry, zero yards. In the B gap, so between the tackle and miles, seven carries for 33 yards from Eckler, one carry for four yards from Kelly. On the right side, on the left A gap, I'm sorry, left A gap, which so you're now talking about between a linebacker and a D tackle, three carries for 16 yards and one carry for three yards. In the right B gap, we are in the right A gap, Austin Eckler, three carries, 97 yards. And um, Josh Kelly, two for 17. So we're now talking about the linebacker on the right-hand side. So going over the right guard and then the outside three carries for, uh, 16 yards, right? I have this right. Yeah. Uh, basically 25 yards to the other end. So the clowny side, you have 25 and you have 23 to miles aside, and then everything else goes right up the middle, going at John Johnson, the third, going at Ronnie Harrison, going at Jacobs Phillips, going at, uh, Taki Taki was playing on the outside who had his worst game. The Browns have no discipline. And I heard Jake Burns and shout out to him. He was as passionate as I am right now. You can't run a bear, which basically means a five-man front because you don't have the bodies. What are you going to put three tackles in there? We don't have one playable. We have Taven Bryant. That's it. The other guys are poop. They're poop. So you can't put five guys on the front because now I just got three sucky guys. So there's an adjustment period. And listen, I don't know what Joe Woods is doing. Jack, we talked about this so much. Andrew Barry, I don't know what you were doing. You got to get him. I mean, Jack, help me out here. How is the run? These guys can't even stand in a gap. They're so far out of alignment. Yeah, so I'm, I'm all for devaluing the defensive tackle position, but that doesn't make mean making Jordan Elliott a starter. And, that, and that's the key point that I come back to. I said, hey, you've got to get two free agents in this year. 
um, then you can have Elliot as your three and you can have Togiai as your four. And that for me was the position where this went wrong. Oh, hey, I, I wanted Tim Settle. Um, I don't know how he's been at Buffalo, um, but that, that I wanted, I felt that you needed a couple of vets in there. And even if it's, hey, get Sheldon Richardson on a few million, um, I, I, I didn't want to spend more than 10 million on a pair. And that's not 10 million each, that's 10 million as a pair. So I wanted it to be cheap and I wanted it to be easy and come together. And it's certainly not been the case. And I, and I think it's just as bad at edge. I think the Jadavian Clowney signing was a massive mistake from a roster building perspective. And that he has played well, but he's also been injured. And his injuries should be no surprise because Jadavian Clowney and injuries is like a glove in, in a hand. The two are made as a match in heaven. And I wanted depth because you cannot, if you're talking about corner or safety or even a linebacker in a way, you can get away with someone going, hey, he's going to play 100% of snaps. That does not happen on a defensive line. And it is negligence that says we'll have two. Miles deserves some blame for his speeding and thus an injury because he, he wasn't himself. Um, Jadavian Clowney was missing regularly throughout the game. And hey, Rochelle actually played really well. Um, take nothing away from it. The fact that he played more snaps than Alex Wright, which uh, Jackson McCurry pointed out to us, is slightly concerning. But um, it comes back to a roster building perspective where I think the right philosophy is actually there at defensive tackle, but it's just been executed so poorly. And the idea that Jordan Elliott was ready, and we, it's why I, I just can't take anything you hear from the beat writers, the, the people that cover the team, when they tell us Jordan Elliott's better than ever, he's come back and this is his year. They absolutely lied through their teeth if they saw that, because it is disgusting, his level of performance. And that sits with Andrew Berry. Um, I think if you, it, just from a simple perspective, if rather than Clowney, you have my boy Jerry Hughes, you have my boy Melvin Ingram, and you went out and got Tim Settle, that defensive line is a hell of a lot better. And we're not just talking one game, we're talking consistently throughout this uh, five games. And if that was the, the defensive line, I think you can easily argue 5-0 and is plausible. I think it's just as much benefit that different defensive line would have than having Deshaun Watson as your quarterback over Jacoby Brissett. I think if they had the depth, I don't even care the names, we'd at least be 4-1. and one. I think the Falcons game and this game are turned differently. And the Jets, I don't know, but it's, it's beside the point. Miles Garrett is not exempt from criticism here. Miles Garrett has paid a lot of money. Have you ever heard of Jamari Salyer? I haven't. Never? Sounds like some food thing that Paul advertised. It really does. It sounds kind of like what he says after he eats a vegan hot dog. Five, five hurries, no hits, no sacks. Miles Garrett versus Jamari Salyer. Trey Pipkins was out. I'll give this to Clowney. At least he produces when he's in there. And I think the problem is he's so good on the edge. Teams are like, screw it. I'm going to run right up the middle. So if anything, he's funneling them to the shit part of our defense. But in saying that, I watch Micah Parsons. I watch TJ Watt. I watch Vaughn Miller. I watch all of these other pass rushers make an impact game or play. Miles Garrett is a hell of a pass rusher. He is really, really good at almost getting to the quarterback and making him throw. But at the end of the day, he does not make enough plays for a $20 million guy. You would 25. You can't run a five man front against Justin Herbert. I hate to break the news to you. You put five up there. He's going to shred you, right? We were already doing everything we could to keep the ball out of Mike Williams. In. And if Keenan Allen played and Rashawn Slater played that, that would have been a boat racing. The fact is how they don't see. And I think Alex Wright also got pulled out for that face mask, made a good play, but we'll get into the penalties. There's no depth on that line. And I listen, I know we went out and got, you know, Deion Jones from the Falcons, but if they don't go get somebody that knows how, and listen, I, I have vast respect more for Anthony Walker and the problems he was able to cover up. Because of him looking and going, well, that guy sucks. I need to come here. Jacob Phillips doesn't have that ability. 
Anthony Walker plugged up. I think that injury now is looking monumentally different than it was a couple weeks ago because after he's went out, Nobody in that front seven knows how to do a damn thing. They don't know how to line up. They get blown off the ball. I mean, Jack, we talk about the zone scheme with the Browns. If our offense played our defense in a legitimate game, we'd rush for 400 plus yards because a zone scheme, basically the linemen are moving sideways and maintaining their gaps. We, our defensive linemen can't even maintain their gaps Going forwards, if we played a team like the 49ers right now, they'd rush the cows come home on us because we just don't know. Our linebackers don't know how to scrape. They get caught in the wash. The linemen are getting blown back into the second level. Here's what we've always said about run plays. A a, a run play is going to get you three yards means somebody on the D line made a play for you to get a big play. You know, that 10 yard, somebody made a block on the second level. And when you have the big long ones, it's you had blocking at all three levels. The Browns rush defense is continually allowing guys to get to that second level, almost uncontested. And it is absolutely gross. And look, I get Matt rule is fired and Steve Wilkes has taken over over there and all this other stuff. And listen, yeah, Derek Brown is a pipe dream. I, I just young talent. I'm always willing to take a shot on Matt. Ioannidis, make a call. Jack, they have to get somebody in here. Jordan Elliott. You gotta go. I are him. I don't know what you have to do, but that guy cannot play defensive line. He's the biggest guy they got. He is the biggest D tackle they have, and he is worthless. Tommy Togiai, fellow Buckeye brother, we're alumni. I love you, brother. You you are year, you're another year away from playing. I mean, you you offered no resistance, none. Taven Bryant is at least rotationally sound. He at least deserves to be playing in the NFL. Perion Winfrey will make one good play, 10 bad ones. He will make one flash player like, well, I wish you'd do that. Talk about a guy that's a lot of bark and not a lot of bite. That's him. Because at this point, this defense, I mean, they are running single gap over schemes. This is basic, even fronts, four guys, head up over the, the, the shoulder. They can't do it. And what's wild is is Bill Callahan is such a genius at the offensive line. He needs to walk in that D tackle in the D lineman room and say, hey, Chris Kiffin, let me help you out, guys. This is how you're so bad. And listen, they're not going to fire Joe Woods because I, as I told the people on Twitter, you fire Joe Woods, you've got three disciples of Joe Woods that run the same scheme and they have the same players. So unless you're going to, what, fire the entire defensive coaching staff midseason, it doesn't make any sense. You're not going to grow a 330-pound man on a tree that can cause a pass. I don't even want to pass rushing. I just need him in a run gap. Just put your fat ass, as Greg Williams said, put your testicles in the run gap. That's your one job, and they can't do it. It's insane to me how these are NFL players with the complete lack of understanding on how to defend the most basic run plays. Zero. Paul, yeah. did I did I make my case? Just to touch on coverage, uh, I I put equal odds at Paul Brown and John Johnson <laughs> being on the 2022, uh, 2023 Cleveland Browns roster. Yeah, he's a he's one of my D's. So on defense, he's even worse than Delpit. Delpit. I didn't think that was possible. Delpit actually last two weeks. I've noticed. I think I moved Delpit. Let me take a look here. Uh, yeah, Delpit's in the C category. I got my A's is Newsom, Clowney, and Emerson. Emerson, been playing great. Garrett B, $25 million, buddy. Sorry, you're going to have to give me more than that. You're a B. Taven Bryan, Denzel Ward, JOK, and Delpit are my C's. Harrison Phillips, Taki, JJ, Winfrey, D's, Elliot Togiai. Flunk. And I don't want to say it. Who is the leading chairleader all the way through draft cycle for uh, Jordan Elliott amongst, uh, not Jordan Elliott, for uh, Martin Emerson amongst Browns fans? That's my boy. Oh, please. But I, I mean, at this point, what, what do you want to give the defense? I'm being pseudo serious. I, I can't give them a point. They didn't make it. There was no turnovers, no sacks. I give them one point because there were some players that played well. Did they put their name on the test? Is that what we're doing? We, we, no, I think, I think it's there was a couple. To, it's harsh okay. to give them a zero when we've got Rochelle did well, when you don't expect anything out of him. 
Martin Emerson played well. Newsom played well. I, I, th- I think we're giving them guys a few points and the, the negatives that belong across the rest of the team sort of then balance that out. And it was, uh, it was devastating, basically. I saw. I mean, there are, but that's the thing about defense. If 10 guys do their job right and one doesn't, you got a problem. If two out of 11 don't. Well, two out of 11 did do their job and that was about it. Well, in the case of the Eckler run, I would almost go back to say there was probably three or four guys that were out of position. And Jack, how many times do they just leave guys wide open? Whether it's a curl, whether it's a drag, whether it's a crosser. I mean, there's nobody within eight yards of these guys. Like what in the hell is going on in the defense? And I get it. I get it. Everybody wants to fire Joe Woods. They want a pound of flesh, but that doesn't fix the problem. I, I know everybody has vengeance. I get it. I'm as frustrated as anybody else is, but firing Joe Woods is not going to solve a single thing. Andrew Barry needs to fix the problem he made. Paul told me Gordon Ramsay is able to serve fucking $200 steaks that are shit cuts at his restaurant. Well, Andrew Barry needs to go get me a shit cut of meat and Fucking sell it for two hundred dollars. Mind my French, boy. Check his Instagram comments. Everybody's come back to Cleveland. <laughs> you go check him on Instagram. They're all selling him to come back home. Not really home, but still, you get my point. All right. Well, let's go with a one then. I'm a little bit more positive on the defense. I thought they stood up on four and two. You know, the defense did their job. Shit pass, shit play call. But Emerson, nice play. Yeah. All right. Uh, I've pretty much covered most of my stuff. The only thing I want to tell you, by the way, uh, Joe Thomas gave a pretty good breakdown of that fourth down call to hunt Jack, where he basically showed how it was the perfect play call because the, they put four guys over three in our, so they put four guys over our three interior alignment. So the sneak would have never worked because basically their job is to jam that up. So basically what it was is they were trying to hit hunt on a power which makes sense because you're jamming those four up. So all you need is your right tackle to collapse the one outside and he should be able to get a yard. The problem is Wyatt Teller stepped wrong and that's why Covington penetrated. But Joe said when he looked at the all 22s that if Teller had actually stepped with the right, the correct foot, not the right foot, the correct foot and pinned Covington, Hunt would have scored. He goes, it literally was a three or four yard alley up the backside. The problem is that they missed one block, which caused the penetration. So it was actually the right play call it was bad execution by Wyatt Teller. It was a really good breakdown. It was in hour two of CBD, like the first 20 minutes. It's a quick and easy listen to. I'll but go yeah. and give it a listen. But yeah. Oh man. I'm telling you, they, they're in for some, they're in some trouble because now the games get good. New England just goose egg Detroit. Bailey Zappi revenge game. Let's go. Western Kentucky. Uh, Paul, talk me off the ledge, brother. He's talk me off the ledge. He's better than Tom Brady already. Hey, by the way, he's got 100% we got, record. Brady we, hasn't got that. We've gone this long. We didn't even mention P. Brown is back in the Browns. P. Brown's back, baby. Pharaoh Brown, Paul Brown, Pharaoh Brown, he's home. Uh, Jack, how do you feel about the Falcons trade? I think it's a great trade. Um, people are freaked out over the timing. I think this has been negotiated for well over a week. Um, and the reason why they had to wait is because there's no point making a trade for a guy that's on IR if you're not going to call him back before the game. So I think we're probably looking at a week, if not longer. It's probably one that they've had this conversation all the way back to the start of the season um, as a possibility because they have been trying to ship him. And it's not about trying to save money for the Falcons. It's, it's a bit like where the Browns were in the past where he's got no future there. They're a rebuilding team. Um, so you may as well ship them off. We've given up nothing. We've traded a sixth for a seventh, um, same year. So um, nothing there. Money-wise, it's $1.2 million, uh, And he has nothing next year, right? Because they converted There's all of it to guaranteed signing. guaranteed next year. Yeah, they converted um, it to signing, meaning they eat all the dead cap and the team that took it on doesn't get any. Do I have that correct? Yep. Um, and what's going to happen next year is they can cut him for nothing. But what might be the option is if he plays well, they might say, hey, we'll, we'll offer you... 5 million fully guaranteed um, and you come back and effectively play that Walker sort of role that they've done. Um, and then that's one that could be really useful if you're then looking at the uh, comp pick formula, because the last thing you want is, hey, Kareem Hunt goes and signs um, a 6 million deal. And then 
you have to go and sign a free agent linebacker and then suddenly those two cancel out because it's, it's all about cancellation with a, um, the comp pick formula. You've got to lose more players in volume than you bring in. Um, so I, I think it's, it's, it's a high upside move that has no downside because if he comes in, he's crap. You can either just cut him um, and it's nothing lost. Or if he goes on IR because he gets injured again, so be it. Yeah, he, he's not been great in the last year um, when he played last season, but that's fine. I, I am happy to take the gamble. If players come in on a min salary for no real outlay, no brainer. Do as many trades as this as you can. Yeah, and I think that's what they're going to look on that defensive line as well. I mean, I know a few people, have, I think Brad and a few of the guys from the OBR have talked about it's probably not going to be their last trade. And because it just shows you Andrew Barry's not ready to punt on the season yet. And he's got to get this team back up to a winning record. And listen, we don't know how long it's going to take for uh, Watson to acclimate back. We see what's going on with Ross Wilson in Denver, but they got to get somebody in there. And if, to your point, Jack, if they can go out and find these guys, I think you're right. Atlanta has been looking to move this guy since the beginning of the season. Once they did that deal, the restructure, because no team in their right mind was going to trade for that deal. Atlanta is just going to eat a shit ton of dead cap to get through this. I mean, they're going to set some record like 60 something million or some crazy thing with the Ryan deal. I'll tell you, buddy, I'll tell you, man, it's just, I, I had confidence. I thought we were going, I thought we were going to beat the chargers yesterday and obviously we should have beat them, but that, that one was just one of those ones where after watching Brissett throw that interception in the end zone, and then just the absolute tight butt cheek play to lose there at the end on that play calling was just, Oh, oh. now everyone go to bed. Paul, especially Paul, it's a great beard you got going on right now. Big beard at the moment. Real quick. Give us a recap on the Packers giants game. How was, how was that? I saw you were back in the box, back in the box. Vernon K brought out her hit now of him in America. Um, yeah, it was a, was a lovely day. Uh, really happy for the Giants. Really happy for Scottish Hammer. Uh, more Packers than Giants in the stadium. Meet The cheese meathead foam things were 60 quid each. A lot of them in the stadium, though. But yeah, really good day. Really good day for the NFL London. Once again, a close game. And uh, everyone had fun. That's all you can ask for. But so shockingly enough, the AFC North, by the way, went an entire day with only one team winning again. So. Yeah, the Steelers are really bad. Oh, yeah, they're, I think the, I think they're the worst offense in the league. They're off. They're, they're off. It's terrible. Yeah, I will say I do like Kenny Pickett trying to throw hands with people. Just I got that going for him. But uh, I don't know. I need a day or two to digest this one. This one I think was a real kick in the nuts. So we'll see. We'll see. I just for twenty five million miles make a play for twenty million Denzel make a play. Somebody do something. At this point, we just don't have a player that can transcend losing. Well, it's very sad times being a Browns fan, but hey, we are competing. That's the main thing. And bring on the Patriots next. All right. So we recap. We had a one for defense, eight for offense, five for specials. The numbers are quite consistent this season, though, aren't they? Shocking. We're consistently consistent. So, all right, boys, thank you for staying up. I'm going to get this turned around and get it out so the people can hear it. We're not going to wait till the morning. We're going to get this out in the eve of the Chicago because I think people are yearning for the content. So I will say, man, listen in the burns. He was defeated yesterday. Boy, he was like, I don't even want to put a pot out. I'm just reposting the, uh, the post game show. So I feel you, Jake. I feel you, brother. That was one of them once. Good listen. If you haven't, go check out the OBR Film Breakdown podcast. Uh, good stuff, Jake. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll convene later this week to break down the Patriots. I know, Paul, you were doing a lot, so it's tough to get a pregame on the Chargers. But we'll get one for the Patriots out there. Um Outside of that, Browns fans, just hold on. It's a wild ride right now. You're on the carousel, and it's going to keep on going around. And I will say this. Mary Kay wasted no time asking Jacoby Brissett what she thought about Deshaun Watson coming back into the building yesterday in the middle of the postgame. Cold-blooded. Damn, Mary. Couldn't have even let that just wound heal for one day. So he's back. He's in meetings. Clean it up. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.